You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Future of Flushing. I'm Vito Calise. With me is Jonathan Barron. And this is like a little different of a day for us. We had a a nice 12 o'clock Peacock game today. We had some time apart. We had some time together. Our first Mets up in person in a while. John, how are you doing since I've seen you about four hours ago? Oh, the last four hours have been eventful but that's what happens when you know you got a newborn and you're making drives from queens to long island to brooklyn touring the five boroughs and then some so this is like uh this is a little goose fraba for me honestly you know just decompressing here at night a little few minutes past 9 p.m and we're going to recap another great weekend of mets player development and uh that's what we like to do so let's get into it Vito. and we're going to try that new format again We've we've lost a few teams in the time since we've done this because you know some seasons ended. So maybe this will actually be the shorter episode that we've What's mentioned. The over under. What's your over under? I'm gonna say twenty five. Under twenty five. Under twenty five. I can see under twenty five. I mean, that's that's a realistic goal. That's a realistic one. You don't think so? You gave me a look. Well, I I'm not gonna help that because uh, I do want to say you said you drove Queens. Long Island and Correct. Brooklyn. And I want to say, would you say you just were driving all over Long Island today? Brooklyn's definitely not a part of Long Island, so don't even go there with me. It's really not. It it's is. Re- it's re- it is. because it's a continuous landmass. Because it's a continuous landmass that is located no, on it's just Long all Island. parts of New York. Queens has Long Island City because it's the, the furthest part of Long Island. Vito, if it makes you feel good, if if you want it to be that way, don't give me that. Yes, don't I, give I, me I that. On, I don't know, give I me agree that with I, I agree on the Queens front. That's like exit thirty two. Brooklyn and Queens are connected. No, no, Brooklyn and Queens are connected. Yeah, but there's there's it's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. It's on the peninsula <clears> of it's a Long Island it's, or the island. It's on the island of Long Island. I no. Not Brooklyn. Queens, yes. Brooklyn, no. Well, look, facts matter. Facts matter. And I you had know to what? go over a bridge. We had some I more facts for you. Is it Kuskiusko or Kosciuszko? How do you say that? I think it's we Kasi- need a Polish person. I think it's Kosciuszko, the new one. Nice bridge. Old one, can't say the same. New one's nice. I can see it light up the clouds from my yeah. rooftop. But facts matter. Other facts that matter is the Syracuse Mets, who won two out of three games over the weekend, John. Yeah, and it all got started with a huge win on Friday night, a walk-off victory by the Syracuse Mets, that courtesy of Brandon McIlwain. And in this this portion of the podcast, we're going to talk a lot about Brandon McIlwain because he had a massive weekend. He had multiple extra base hits, not just multiple hits, multiple extra base hits in all three of the games on Friday, a two-homer night, including a walk-off homer. And he did it coming off the bench, even more impressive. So we'll talk a little bit more about him in just a moment. Carlos Cortez, also a huge night on Friday. We've talked a lot about him recently. Guy that plays all over the place. He went three for five with a pair of doubles on Friday. So Cortez stays hot. McIlwain stays hot. A couple guys who are at advanced ages for minor league players, both played college baseball. Actually, both were South Carolina Gamecocks at one point. Marco Gamecocks. So little connection there and those two carry the freight 
for the Syracuse Mets on Friday night. And I was pretty happy to see Brendan Hardy uh, give some love to Brendan McIlwain on Instagram on his story over the weekend because we did do an unreleased interview with the two of them at spring training. Just a little peek behind the curtain. John and I recorded a bunch of stuff at spring training before this podcast really got off the ground, which although we didn't release stuff, it did give us a lot of insight to these players that I do think we still use on a nightly basis when we talk about them. Um, and, you know, every now and then you might be at City Field and see a clip from that on the scoreboard. And uh, more of that stuff is coming in the near future, but more on that later. But right now, why don't we talk about the 8-7 win that the Syracuse Mets had on Saturday, led by Mr. Mike Vassell, who went six innings, only gave up one run, four hits, and four strikeouts. John, in his last four starts, he's only given up two home runs, and he has a 1.75 ERA. I mean, I just love seeing Mike Vassell succeed because he was our first interview we ever did together. He was the first interview, and he has been so good for the Syracuse Mets of late. You just mentioned the ERA. I'll take it a step further. That span of four games, he's thrown 25 and two-thirds innings of work. Opponents slugging just 244, so he's not just limiting home runs. He's, he's limiting all sorts of damage, and he's only walked eight hitters. That was a big thing for Mike when he got the promotion from double-A, where he walked virtually nobody, to triple-A, where he struggled with his control a little bit early on. He has totally quelled those issues, and he's been fantastic as he continues to find his footing and continues to really now kind of dominate a league where not many pitchers dominate. We've talked about the run environment in AAA at length. It's no problem for Mike Vassell, who continues to roll for the Syracuse Mets team. Yeah, some other standouts from that night were Ronnie Mauricio, who went three for five with a double, his 22nd home run of the year in 69 nice. RBIs. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie's now closing in at just four home runs away from tying his uh, season total from all of last season. He also had a, a big day at the plate in terms of patience on Sunday. And if you have some patience, we'll tell you about that in a second. But another really, really solid night at the plate for Ronnie Mauricio, who's been having a lot of those recently. Brandon McIlwain, he had two doubles and two walks in this game, so on base four times. And how about Joe Swazi? Chaminade High School's own Joe Swazi. He had himself a day, went three for five with a double, a triple, and three RBIs. So we'll have to see the local boy doing it for the Syracuse Mets. Bro, I had no idea that Joe Swazi went to Chaminade. How old is Joe Swazi? Let's take a look. I did not know either. Um, there's actually a uh, – we have someone that works in the control room, Pat Reichart, great guy, very smart. He's actually a teacher at Chaminade. So I'm going to bring this up to him no because way. I did not realize that Swazi, who was 25 years old, by the way, turned 25 back in February, uh, played his college ball at Boston College. Uh, but yeah, he's 25 years old. So I guess that means he probably graduated, I don't know, 2012 maybe? Does that sound right? I just totally well, took a stab I'm at that. 30. I might be totally off. I'm 30. I graduated high school in 2010. So we could say he probably graduated high school 2015, 2016. Um, so we're nowhere near each other. I was really interested. I, I, I'm, I'm not used to my age yet. So when I saw Chaminade, I went to Xavier High School. We played Chaminade in a, in a lieu of sports. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe, you know, maybe he was on the other side of the football field or something when we played. And then I remembered I'm old. Not as old as me, Vito. And I'm about to get even older this week. So I'm really not looking forward to that. That's one of the crazy things about life. One of the crazy phenomenons about going down on the journey, the path of life. You go from loving 
your birthday. There's no better time of the year than your birthday. Party, presents, you name it. You're the king for a day, for a couple days, really. Maybe there's some family that's a little further out. They come celebrate it one day. Then you got the other side of the family. You celebrate it with them. You can have a whole week if you really stretch it out. You know, I was, my birthday was September 1st, Labor Day weekend, or it still is September 1st. I got my license not on September 1st because the DMV was closed that day because it was Labor Day back in, I guess this was, oh, September of 08 when I got my license. I got my license the next day, September 2nd. That was like a second birthday for me. Being able to finally drive. I know this is far into you, Vito. Sorry. Being able to finally, Vito does have his license, by the way. Being able to finally drive and just getting the license and being able to, after a year of the permit, which was just... Not a great experience with my mom always in the passenger seat screaming every turn, every lane change, every you name it. The freedom from that, that was the second birthday for me. But now your birthday rolls around. You you tell me if you feel the same. Birthdays suck. It's just like you're getting older. And I don't know when I really started to feel like that. Probably when I was like, I think it's when you go off of your parents' insurance. That's when things start to get real. I think it's around that time. Like when you start to approach 30 and it's no longer all fun and games and, you know, you go out, you enjoy your birthday. It might be a little bit more of a recovery the next day than it used to be. You feeling me? Yeah, I got off my mom's insurance at like 23 when I got my like job out of college because just, yeah, she was just like, excuse me. I did, you know, I, I got, I went, I was on the fast track at Sirius XM. I went from part-time to full-time, like a year and a half out of college. It was nuts. Um, but okay. I guess for me, I just, I just, my last birthday was that's my third one. So that's that's like the last one. like blowout. But I think for me, I, I still enjoy birthdays because I don't get to see my friends okay. that much. And like, basically birthdays just turn into like the, everybody's birthday is like the one time you get to see people. I guess. I mean. The last couple of years, the Mets have been home on my birthday. So that's kind of like, I remember 2018 had a big party in my apartment. Now, if you ask me like, what do you want to do for your birthday? Like, I just want fireworks night to go well. <laughs> that's it. Like, <laughs> that's it. I have nothing else. You want to sleep, yeah, sleep, I just want to sleep well. through the night, you know, maybe like have a bagel with some white fish salad and locks in the morning. I am. And, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't do that. That's pretty. Oh, I had a cough. I'm still recovering <laughs> from uh, what plagued me last week. But yeah, that's pretty much it. So anyway, Joe Swazi, 25 years old. I think that's what started this whole thing. All because I was wondering, did I possibly go to high school with Joe Swazi at the same time? And I did not because I'm 30 and I'm too old to think I'm going to high school with these fellas. Uh, why don't we talk about Sunday now? Because you've been you've been really, really teasing the people about wanting to get to Brendan McElwain. Yeah, well, he did it again. Two more doubles on Sunday. And now this is really the big part. The slash line since his promotion to Syracuse. And it's pretty crazy. A 440 on base percentage, a 549 slugging percentage for McElwain. So McElwain really has been one of the most improved players in this entire Mets player development system from last year to this year. And we talked to him. He talked a lot about some of the things that he wanted to work on this year, and that was being control of plate appearances more, laying off pitches outside of the strike zone, and he has done that. He's always hit the ball hard. He is a fantastic athlete, and he's really put it all together this season. He's got 12 total home runs, or excuse me, 11 home runs between Binghamton and Syracuse. Last year in Brooklyn, his on-base percentage was 389, so he 
did show that ability to get on base, and he's done it incredibly well since the promotion, 21 games played. So very excited to see the maturation of Brandon McIlwain, who is a premier athlete, of course, college football quarterback uh, at South Carolina, and then Cal, two big-time programs. And the athleticism really does really does translate. We talked with Drew Toussaint about this, how that athleticism between those two sports really lends itself for an outfielder that can just put his head down, run to the spot, whip his head back around, and find a fly ball. It's a tough thing to do. Brandon McIlwain makes it look easy, and right now he's making all facets of the game look easy. And you were so hyped up talking about Brandon McIlwain, you almost forgot to bring up that Ronnie Mauricio also drew another two walks. So wanted to mention that before we move on to the Rumble Ponies and what they did over the weekend. We might as well get into it. The Rumble Ponies, a number of big offensive performances, and it starts on Friday night with Drew Gilbert, who was who had two hits. He homered, he doubled, he also drew a walk, and he had four RBI. This was a 14-8 loss for the Rumble Ponies, so they were cooled down, especially after that huge come-from-behind victory they earned on Thursday. But Drew Gilbert still doing Drew Gilbert things at this time, that home run had given him four in his last 10 games. Dom Hamill got the start for the Rumble Ponies as they just toss out an ace seemingly every night they play. Hamill had a good start, five innings, three runs allowed, six strikeouts, and just three walks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. John, I feel like you really covered up Friday there, so I'm just going to move on to Saturday night in the Binghamton Rumble Ponies 9-4 win, where every player in the starting lineup had a hit. And a few guys had multiple hits, including Luis Angel Acuna, Jeremiah Jackson, JT Schwartz, and Augustin Ruiz. Dude, Jeremiah Jackson's so hot. I'm I'm really getting nervous about this interview we're releasing him in a few days. Is he going to stay hot or are we going to be I think he's going to get even hotter. But, I mean, honestly, hard for him to get even hotter. Kind of not, not funny, but obviously the Angels were in town this weekend. Dominic Leone pitched on Saturday. So we're seeing one half of that trade unfold for one team. But Mets fans should be feeling very good about that trade on the Mets side of things. Remember, Leona player that was signed as a free agent in May, and the Mets parlayed that asset into Jeremiah Jackson, very talented, very athletic hitter who has been very, very good of late for this Rumble Ponies lineup. And I do want to bring up something about Saturday, John, before we move on to Paul Gervais oh, for a second. Gonna- Real beautiful outing, retired four or five batters he faced with just three strikeouts and was sitting 97. Yeah, it was a nice bounce back outing for Gervais, who recently got the promotion to uh, Binghamton from Brooklyn. Struggled a bit in his first outing, but he was his dominant self. He is just, he's different. His delivery, the deceptiveness, of course, he's, you know, 6'10", 6'11". It's really tough for batters to see the ball coming out of his hand. The arm motion is long. And it's just, uh, you know, he gets on top of hitters so quickly. The extension, something that you hear a lot of talk about. A guy like David Peterson, who was fantastic for the Mets on Sunday afternoon, gets seven feet of extension. He's just on top of hitters when he releases the ball, throwing downhill. Gervais, the same, probably even more extension than David Peterson, given that he's taller. And that velocity from anyone, even if you're six feet and you're throwing 97, that's some zip. 
But yeah, Gervais is a really, really tough matchup for a lot of opposing hitters. So good to see that he has that first dominant outing for Binghamton as he feels good about himself and moves forward as he's part of the Pony playoff push now. And he's part of a really athletic family. His sister's a college volleyball oh, player. Yeah. Where'd she go to school? Where'd she go to school? Now, my Saturday... Well, she's. I think she's currently in school. But, John, why don't you... Let's fall for a second while I look up where Paul Gervais' sister oh, no, plays volleyball at because you caught me no, off guard spot. there. I don't know what to say. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. No, it's my fault. I shouldn't have been more prepared. I shouldn't have brought up that his sister plays college volleyball I should stop caring without so much knowing about exactly what school she went to. I should stop caring so much about colleges. Oh, dude, you're going to love this. <laughs> okay. You're going to love okay. this. It's, it's, a, it's a school that we have talked about with a few other players. That's a terrible clue. It's Virginia. University of Virginia Cavaliers. Oh, that's where she goes. There you go. I was. That's okay. where she goes. That's yeah. a that's a tough school to get into, especially for an out of state. Yeah. And she's college volleyball. Player. That's a. I get it, but still, I mean, you're no dummies going to UVA. No, man. I'm 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 happy for her. I'm happy for the Gervais family. I mean, they just they're they're just crushing it across all sports on the hardwood and the soft yep. turf. And Paul's a great story. We know where he went to college. LSU transferred there. Uh, was not thrilling as hard as he is right now his entire life. Uh, he worked towards that, and Paul Gervais is an incredible success story. We'll have to see it unfold in front of our very eyes. Now, what were you going to ask me about Saturday? Dude, I want to talk some J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets football with you. Are you hyped right now? I'm hyped. There was no, uh, no massive injuries. That's exciting. There's still... What about the what about the big win over the Crosstown... Well, the Crosslock yeah, I mean, rival... Yeah, I'm not going to say anything disparaging about any other teams. All I'm going to say is uh, we got we got 14 days, so it's it's the worst wait. the uh, The wait between the last preseason game and the first NFL Week One, terrible wait. I mean, you do have College Week One, which I'll say it again. I think low key might be a better day, you know, in terms of lifestyle day than a college uh, than an NFL Sunday. That's fair. No one seems to agree. No one seems to That's agree fair. with me. I, you know what? That's because people are pawns to the system, man. I think you're right. I get it. And I'm not even somebody who really cares about college football because my college football team has been so dominant for their entire history. They're undefeated that there's just like no point for me to even like get that worked up about it. All I'm saying is if you're making a day out of it, going for brunch, having some, you know, some, some beverages, maybe a wager here or there, a little responsible gambling. You don't have the Sunday scaries when it comes to college football. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. No, dude, you're right. I get it. I totally agree with you. I and, right um, now. I'm, I'm just, I'm just pumped about the Jets season, and I really hope we get to go to a game together. This we should year. make. We'll try to make it happen. It's not going to be cheap. It's going to cost an arm and a leg to see the Jets. The only way it does it is if they start dude, one four. I'm also going to use every connection I could possibly think of to try to get tickets. I'm not. I'm not going to go into this like. I'm not going to go into this silly like a silly boy. I'm going to hit up everybody okay, I can think of. But I'm, <laughs> it's tougher than you think. No, I know, dude. I know football is the hardest to get tickets for. Meanwhile, I just got offered Giants tickets the other day. And I dude, said, regular season Giants game? Jets tickets instead. Oh, yeah. Let's go to that. That would be fun. I know, dude. We'll go. But I just want the Jets. I mean, I want to go to a Jets game I more. I'm gonna I'm gonna write a note in into our little our little like live chat thing, and I'm gonna tell you where the tickets are from, and then you're gonna be like, 
it's not what you think. Um, all right. Why don't we talk about the Brooklyn Cyclones now? Because, you know, we're definitely going – we're going to hit the over. We're going to slam the over pretty hard. Um, Brooklyn Cyclones Friday night won 6-5. But it's always, as always, the Jet Williams show. He went two for four with a home run and a walk. That's his fourth home run in his last six games. And something John and I were talking about before this episode started that I want to tell all of you. Go on Twitter, go on Reddit, go all over. Jet Williams is starting to get the – he's on the precipice of getting the recognition he deserves. Yeah, I mean, Jet, you know, if you listen to this podcast, he's getting the recognition. But Jet's playing – like I mean, he is a top 100 prospect now on many lists, but Jet's playing above that. He is – I mean, he's just fantastic every single night. So, uh, love to see it. Wanted to throw out there – now that we're moving on, uh, Ryan Clifford homered again on Friday night. That's against his old team. As Vito is texting me, I'm not texting me. You're right. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. My train of thought was totally just derailed because I was kind of shocked by that. Let me start over. Along with Jet Williams on Friday night, Ryan Clifford also went deep doing it against his former team. So at Lewis McCormick Field, that's the stadium where the Asheville Taurus play. Uh, Ryan Clifford did a lot of damage there for the Taurus this season before the trade to the Mets. He did it again. That gave him home runs in two straight games against the Taurus. So Ryan Clifford continuing to show off that power bat, the young 20-year-old acquired in the Justin Verlander deal. Yeah, I mean, that's just another testament. To, uh, we've mentioned uh, how many players in this episode who we were acquired via trades this year. That's the third or fourth one that we've we brought up in this coming. episode. Just we've, you wait. And we have more coming. Drew Gilbert, uh, Jeremiah Jackson. Did we bring up somebody else so far? No, those are the only two. Oh, no, Luis Angel Acuna was brought up. I mean, just the amount of talent that was brought into this team halfway through the season in a system that's already had so much talent, just incredible to see. Now let's talk about Saturday in the Cyclones 8-5 win. Uh, Kevin Parada, Stanley Consuegro, William Lugo all had multiple hit performances. And John, why don't you talk about the 6-3 righty that started for the Cyclones that night? Yeah, it was Jordan Gieber who pitched for the Cyclones that night. And he's a name we haven't mentioned yet. So first time being brought up on the podcast, a 6-3 right-handed pitcher, played his college ball, split it between Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland and Virginia Tech. He was not drafted, signed by the Mets as an undrafted uh, free agent almost a year ago, about a year ago, in August of 2022. And he got the start for the Cyclones, and he was really good on Saturday. Tossed five and a third innings, just two earned runs allowed, six strikeouts, and no walks. So Gieber, part of the rotation now, getting a chance with the Cyclones as they look to make the playoffs. They've obviously lost a lot of talent with promotions throughout the season. But they've done a really good job replenishing that talent because the Mets player development system is just oozing with talent on both sides of the ball. And, John, I always feel really weird doing this, but the Cyclones lost 8-1 on Sunday. Kevin Parada doubled. Jet Williams walked. Why don't we move on to the St. Lucie Mets? Before we do that, Vito, how about just a quick playoff push update for both the Cyclones and the Rumble Ponies? Didn't mention this when we, figured, when we finished up what uh, Binghamton did over the weekend. Right now, they are one game ahead of Portland. For that second wild card, excuse me, for second place in the division, they'll have Monday off. Then they will welcome Harrisburg to town. 
for a six-game series. After that, they'll go back on the road. They'll play the Hartford Yard Goats for seven games. That includes a makeup on a doubleheader on September 7th. And then they finish the season at home with six against Reddings. So the end is near. The regular season end is near, at least I should say, for the Rumble Ponies. And things are tight for Binghamton. But right now, they hold on to second place. As for the South Atlantic League and the Cyclones, after taking two or three over the weekend, they go into the next week with a two-game lead over Jersey Shore. Brooklyn 32 and 22 in the second half. Jersey Shore is 30 and 24 in the second half. Up next for the Cyclones, they pay a visit to the Greenville Drive. Following that, they return home and they will finish the season up with a six-game homestand against Wilmington. So the Cyclones lead by two in their race for a playoff spot, and Binghamton leads by one game. So both teams entering this upcoming week sitting pretty. I am very excited for some minor league baseball playoff action, and I can't wait to watch some of our boys perform. We already got one playoff game. I want to see a lot more. Let's talk about the St. Lucie Mets, who, you know, not the best of weekends, but hey, there's still stuff to talk about. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, Saturday night. Friday night, the boys played two because, as you know, it always rains in Florida. So there's always just going to be two games sometimes. That's just going to happen. Lionel Ovias had six strikeouts and one walk in game one. Uh, you know what, John? Let's just move on to Saturday from there. So, yeah, tough day. A lot of baseball on Friday for the St. Lucie Mets. On Saturday, they fell 6-5, to five, so a much closer game, but there were some standouts here. One of those standouts, Ronald Hernandez. He and Marco Vargas, they were both promoted from the FCL Mets to the St. Lucie Mets after FCL Mets had their season come to an end last week. Hernandez had three hits, including a double and an RBI on Saturday, so love to see that. Wilfredo Lara, another big day for Lara, one of the best Offensive performers all season for the St. Lucie Mets. He was two for four with a walk. And Wilson Esterlin, like Vargas, like Hernandez, he also got the promotion after the FCL Mets season came to an end. He made his FSL debut, tossed two scoreless innings. A guy who had a lot of strikeouts in the Florida Complex League. He had 57 punch outs in 42 and two-thirds innings of work. Now, Sunday night was a loss for the St. Lucie Mets, but it was a slugfest. So there was a lot to talk about in this game, although they lost 13-8. One of those being Nick Morbido, who had three hits, including a double and two RBIs. Nick Morbido, a guy who just really got hot and is just showing you about that great bat-to-ball speed he has. Marco Vargas, two for five with an RBI and two runs. And Ronald Hernandez had a hit and an RBI. Yeah, so including that on Sunday, Hernandez threw his first couple games in the Florida State League. Four hits in his first nine at-bats. We've talked about him since the trade. He is just an on-base machine, as is Vargas. Those two thriving. Love to see the Mets continuing the seasons for both of those guys that come over in the trade midseason, and they're now showing that they could play up to competition. They are both younger than the league average age in the Florida State League. Another guy who made his FSL debut this weekend, that was Ernesto Mercedes, like Wilson Esterlin did the day before. Mercedes got the start, whereas Esterlin pitched in relief, and Mercedes struck out five batters over three innings of work. And Nick LaRusso, 
recently drafted by the Mets from the University of Maryland. He had over 100 RBI for the Terps in his final year of college ball. He was two for four with a double and an RBI on Saturday. So despite a couple losses in the loss column, a lot of big performances by a number of St. Lucie Mets, including a lot of guys who have made their debuts, who are taking on new challenges and are equal to the task. Could see a few more guys who make their Florida State League debuts before the season's over. And we can't wait to see it. And we can't wait to talk about it, Vito. Yeah, John, I look forward to every night we talk about this. And I'm really sad. You know, the season, July 4th, is way past us at this point. We're about to hit September. The summer and the season is coming to an end. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading Bart Giamatti's famous poem he used to love to read at the end of every season on our last episode. Yeah, I think I dropped that one uh, the night we did Met Stop, if you recall. Uh, October, yeah. Oh, last October year? October 9th was game three, if I recall correctly. Broke that one out. That's a good one, man. I do love that. But I mean, like it's it, it is beautiful. Just the the idea of uh, the the main line being like it, it comes in your heart when baseball comes in your life, when life is blooming and trees are growing and then it leaves you when everything is and the winter stinks. And, you know, John and Vito do a lot of season recaps and previews and things like that. But we'll have a lot of fun. So we'll don't worry. I'm not worried. Dude, we're going to have a lot of fun, man. We're going to be just. We're going to be catching up with some minor leaguers. We're going to be just having fun. I mean, if you think this podcast gets weird right now during the minor league season, wait until there's no baseball to talk about. It'll just be as weird with us wearing sweaters instead of whatever we're wearing right now, which you'll never know because we're not on camera. No, and it's going to be real bizarre because I don't watch college football, and John really likes to talk about college football. I will limit my college football talk. Don't worry. I promise. I mean, we've already done the experiment on Met Stop. It's uh, not the most popular thing. <laughs> Dude, what if I just start rooting for IU with you? I would I would advise against that, at least for college football. Maybe for college basketball. I would not. I wouldn't let you do that to yourself. John, did I ever tell you that I dated a girl who worked at the biggest IU bar in the city Was at it the time? Dram Shop? No, it's called Traffic. Yeah, that's right. Traffic Bar. That's right. I think it closed. It did. It's like a, it's been like three or four you bars. Did not since. tell me that. I actually watched the uh, 2016 Big Ten tournament there when Indiana choked it away to Michigan in the semifinal round. Um, so I have been a traffic bar, but you did not tell me that. Look at you with a little connection. Yeah, that was way after my days with that lady, though. That was around, I think, 2012 was when I was uh, going to traffic a lot. And- Got it. You know, taking advantage of the the boyfriend uh, the boyfriend open bar specials. I never got I never got one of those. Sounds nice though. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nice. Well, we smashed the over just like we said we would, yep. and uh, you know we'll be back again to well tomorrow. You will not be hearing us because you will be hearing an interview with Jeremiah, which Jackson. is a great interview. Jeremiah had a lot to say. Very cerebral young man. It was great to talk to him, and uh, this was really before he got super hot. So he has been fantastic of late. Perhaps the future of Flushing Bump was the interview that we did with Jeremiah because he started hitting home runs and nauseam, had the hitting streak that we told you about, had a nice weekend, and now you will finally get to hear our conversation with him and the polka music, as you heard with Drew Gilbert and Blade Tidwell. So excuse that or enjoy that. I don't know if it's uh, something you're into. And then we'll be back doing our weekly thing on um, Tuesday night, Monday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. No, no, no. Monday night. 
yeah. Right. Tuesday I'm getting night. confused. Tuesday this goes night. out on Monday morning. Jeremiah is out on Tuesday morning. We'll be back for you on Wednesday morning to recap all the happenings. And we'll see you all in the future. Enjoy the music. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>